Sessions Pilot. What I might say to my younger self is keep riding your push bike. When you rode that into work every day, that was the fittest you'd ever been. Uh, please keep that up. It would have really helped me at the age of 28. <laughs> Hey, this is what I might say. This is the podcast where um, I give advice to my younger self and more importantly, I look back at my younger self to see what advice they can give to me uh, because I, you know, as much as I'd love to shake that younger person and try and help them through you know, hard times or stop them making mistakes, that young person probably has some really important life lessons that I could probably use now. So that's where I'm going to start right at the start of my career, you know, in audio production and making music and podcasts and even TV and operating cameras and doing all this crazy stuff. So 10 years ago, I just turned 18 and I'd finished my WACE exams and school was over and I was sort of in the lull between, you know, finishing that big part of my life and starting the next part and I didn't really know what that was just yet. I think my biggest calling at the time was, you know, making music and playing music. I, um, in my little small town of Kalgoorlie with about 30,000 people, I uh, used to play guitar and sing on the streets and busk. You know, I played in the pubs, school with a bunch of mates, and that was really my thing and I really enjoyed. But I was, I was pretty convinced that that wasn't going to be the thing that was going to earn me money, you know, because oh, there's no money in music. You need to do something realistic, like go be a doctor or a lawyer or go do engineering or go work in the mines or something, you know, do something tangible. Music seemed like this big, vague and unrealistic thing you were going to earn an income from. You know, we were told it was more of a hobby and I didn't really believe it was a hobby, but I didn't really see myself being a musician. The first uni course that I found was a bachelor's in composition and music technology at the West Australian Academy of Performing Arts or, or WAPA if you're from Western Australia. And, you know, you got to learn to compose and, you know, make music on computers and, you know, all that kind of fun stuff and you could become a composer. And I was like, well, that could be fun, you know, doing like um, film scores or making my own music or this or that and getting the real skills to do that. But then that voice in my head sort of was coming back saying, well, there's, I don't know if there's any money in that and only a certain select few people get to do it. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be the worthy one that'll get to do it. And that was thinking way down the track. That was before I even realised that there was an audition to get in. Honestly, I didn't think... Um, I was good enough to cut it. You know, I played a lot of covers and I was a decent singer and guitarist, but I didn't really see myself as someone who was good enough to be um, at the level that would be equal to those people that have been writing music and playing lead guitar in bands and stuff in Perth and just really doing potentially more than I did. I kind of had this feeling I was going to come up short and I already felt my um, passion for music dwindling a bit and I was kind of thinking well I still want this to be a part of my life and I want to protect myself from potentially being shattered by the news that I'm, I'm you know maybe not good enough to do this so I thought well 
Whopper's not it. What else have we got? So I found a classical music sort of degree at the University of Western Australia, which seemed a lot more interested in writing sheet music and learning about orchestras maybe. I, I, I wasn't really too sure, but I knew it wasn't something – it was the same problem, I guess. I couldn't see myself making a living out of it. Uh, and then I found a Bachelor's of Sound where you got to learn how to record, use microphones, produce music, film soundtracks, learn about like the theory, the history and the the science and all that kind of stuff. And it was a much more approachable degree and it seemed like I could sort of have the best of both worlds. I could keep my music for myself and learn this new skill that was going to help me get better at sharing it with people. So I was like, okay, that I'll put that down. So I put that as my first preference for uni. And how it worked was, you know, you got your first preference, but then you got to choose a bunch of other backups. I was like, well, I have to have a backup. This is a sort of um, a dream thing. So I've got to pick something a bit more realistic that's going to get me a job and be part of the workforce or whatever. So I picked <laughs> I picked dentistry and I picked radiography and I picked chiropractic. You can go to uni and you can be really successful at that. And while they weren't interesting to me, I wasn't very good at science in school or maths or anything like that to the degree that the people who do those degrees are. I was like, well, if I can get in, I'll have a backup. Great. How it works is you get two rounds. The first round... You get an offer, keep that offer, and then go into the second round and see if I get another one. But you have to sort of fill out the thing and rearrange things to do that. So the first round, I got the Bachelors of Sand and I went, beauty, I'm in, tick. I'm going to do the second round and see what else comes out. But the problem is, is I didn't fill out the thing properly and I essentially just got the Bachelor of Sand again and didn't get a backup in the second round. I thought I did it right. I thought I might have been wrong, but I didn't really care enough to figure out if I had done it right or not. And I guess I would say I fell asleep at the wheel and just sort of thought, ah, oh, she'll be right, we'll figure it out. And then I got that second round back and I was like, oh no, I messed up. I don't have a backup. I've only got this sound degree. And I sort of explained what happened to dad and he was pissed. He was so annoyed at me. He was just really um, disappointed that I just didn't put enough effort into this. I got sat down at that point and was like, what are you doing? Like, you're not looking for work. You're obviously not putting enough thought or effort into what you're going to do in your future. You've just finished school and did your leavers thing and then just kicked back and thought it was all going to figure itself out. No, that's not how it works. You've got to go in and do something for yourself. Like, get up off your ass. What's happening here? I sort of told my, my wife about this and uh, she said, man, that was a bit harsh. Like you've just finished high school, like the biggest exams of your life. Come on, give, <laughs> have a break. <laughs> and I can see where she's coming from, but I also think um, I needed that kick in the ass. I hadn't looked for a job since I left school. I'd never had a full-time job. I did guitar teaching and busking and jobs that were in my field, but I'd never had any real world experience at a real job and I knew I wanted to go to uni because that's what you did and I didn't really put a whole lot of effort into how I was going to approach that. 
So I didn't look out for my own best interests and I got called out on it. And I think, um, to be honest with you, I needed that kick in the ass because I realised I can't just let things happen. I've got to take some initiative. I've been doing that while I've been at school, while there's been structure and discipline and teachers and parents and mentors teaching you what to do. But, you know, there's not so much of that in the real world and you do have to find a way to do it yourself. And I just hadn't bothered to do that yet. I needed to be woken up. And I was in that instance. I felt really annoyed at myself for not opening up more opportunities to myself when I knew that I could have if I had paid attention and been diligent enough. It wasn't like it was that hard to do. Everyone else that I graduated with got second choices and did it. And I just didn't, I suppose, care enough to put the effort in. And I knew that that wasn't good enough for what I wanted to do. So I was like, well, because of that, this is it. You're doing the sand degree. You're accepting it and you're going to see how it goes. So I hit accept. I'm officially uh, enrolled into Murdoch University, but what I need to do first is defer that for a year. So I'm going to take a gap year, and I'm going to go and find a job and work for a bit and get some life experience before I go to uni. Because I, I knew I was pretty sheltered. I knew I'd you know done the whole go to school thing and do music and be in a small town, but I didn't want to be that person who left their small town of 30,000 people to go to a capital city with no life experience and just be kicked in the bum there and have to come home with my tail between my legs. I was like, I didn't, I didn't want that for myself. So I was like, I need to sort of grow up a bit and get a job. And fortunately, I didn't have to look too far because I had been hanging around with this guy whose mum owned an explosives factory. <laughs> So uh, he would go in there and do casual work. And he was like, oh, I could get you in there if you like. I was like, that sounds sick. Of course I want to, you know, go in there and make bombs. <laughs> to, to explain it, um, obviously Kaggle is a mining town and in the mines there's a lot of blowing up rocks down there. And this company would manufacture the explosives to go to the mines so they could blow up. So I went in there. And I put together a million cardboard boxes for these explosives, put them in the cardboard boxes, and I'd um, watch over the machines and look after them and clean them. And I did that for a year. And it wasn't a hard job, but I was doing that for 40 hours a week. And I took a lot of pride in that. And I really liked the fact that I had a routine and I was self-sufficient. I wasn't getting lifts into work. I was riding my little push bike to and from work and I felt like I was being my own person. Having said that, it was difficult. Obviously not the work, but the fact that I was in an environment where I felt like I stood out. I was a little 18-year-old sort of nerdy musician guy and I was working with people that were 10, 20, 30 years older than me, uh, proper Aussie blokes and they listened to horse racing all day and they swore like every second word. And, you know, they'd rib me and give me a hard time because I was the young fella. Uh, you know, they'd pull pranks on me. I remember they cable-tied my bike to the fence once. It was a really interesting place to work. I didn't take it personally because, you know, I had a dad who'd been in similar job and they said, look, it's not that they don't like you. They're just, um, they're just giving you a hard time because you're the young guy. And I, saw, I got that. I didn't feel offended or upset or I was being bullied. I just knew that I've got to sort of um, 
take my lashings. And also I can handle this because I'm only doing it for a year. I'm still learning. I'm still earning money and I'm still working towards going to uni. Those hard yards in that factory were, um, they were difficult, but I think the good thing about it was that it, it's, it got me more and more excited to get out of there. So when someone tried to say something to get a rise out of me or pulled a prank on me or something, I'd go, well, I'm going to be out of here soon. This will all be worth something. And the beauty is, is that I did that thing for the year, got given this hard time. I had a lot of self-doubt because I was like, man, are they really doing this just because I'm the young fella or am I really not good at this job and they're sick of me? So there's a lot of self-doubt, a lot of imposter syndrome, even in a job that I wasn't, you know, there to be passionate about or see a career in, I still had imposter syndrome. And then at the end of the year, I remember it was my last day and they said, come back any time. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. And I actually did. I got to go back there on my semester breaks. So I felt like I'd done enough to, you know, be a valuable enough employee in that place to be told I could come back, which was super cool because... Even though it was, you know, a bit tough and a bit boring at times, I still liked going into work. I didn't dislike it. And I liked riding my push bike in and I liked having, you know, earned the money that I was spending. It was great. And the main thing is it taught me a work ethic that I never had before and I knew that that's what I needed to take with me to the next stage of my life, which was going to uni. So now I've got to think of some advice to give that young fella. Um... I think the really easy one for me is don't change who you are anymore. You've got to stop doing that. <laughs> when I was at that plant, I tried to take on the Aussie accent and, you know, drink the rough beers and be a jack the lad outside of work, and it wasn't me. If anything, I'd probably come off like a bloody idiot because that just wasn't who I was and I was trying to sort of take on their mannerisms to fit in a bit better. That wasn't who I was and it was – I knew – I was sort of looking over myself as I was sort of trying to play into this character and going, this is a bit – this isn't me. And I, you do that in high school as well in hindsight. You know, you try to change your personality a bit for friend groups maybe and it's not to say you don't do that now. You match people's energies to an extent but you've got a better idea of who you are when you're older and who you don't want to be. And I think um, that's a handy piece of advice I think that 18-year-old version of myself would have appreciated. Like, um, you're leaving in a year. You don't have to try and be like these people if that's not who you are and that's not who you want to be. You won't feel so um, outside of your own skin anymore because I definitely felt that. I was definitely a fish out of water. But I think that's a grain of sand compared to what that young person could teach me. I mean, if I ran into an 18-year-old who had a plan to go work for a year and earn their own money and then go to uni and then watch them execute it exactly how they said and not falter and not spit the dummy and just get on with it, I think that is a really impressive thing to do. And I would love for them to give me a pointer and I think that would be to um, endure the pain a bit if you know what you're signing up for and you know what's coming after, you know, I think you can you can handle a lot more than you think. I think that's what I'd love for that 18-year-old version of me to to say to myself when I'm uh, 
you know, wondering what I'm doing with my life or if I'm moving forward at the right pace or if I've got a plan and if I'm what I'm doing now is benefiting myself moving forward. And, you know, that that kid who'd just come out of uni, who'd never had any life or work experience, went and worked in a bomb factory for a year and came out the other side and said, it's only temporary and you can do it. Just put your effort into it and it'll find a way of resolving itself and you'll get more and more excited about what's to come. Also, the advice they'd give me is uh, make sure you lock that push bike up properly because in a year's time, it's going to get stolen. (laughs) So there you go. There's uh, episode one. I'm really keen to do a few more highlights from my career in audio production. Um, But if you want to have a go at this yourself, feel free to shoot us a message on the Noise Pilot socials. If you're keen on jumping on the mic, I'd love to have you. Or if you're just a happy listener, uh, please leave a review or, you know, tell your mates about it and we'll see you next time.